I did several things. The first thing I ever did there was an Italian father, and that's how I happened to get on the show. There was somebody in an orchestra that used to play the part, and he was snowbound or something <laughs> up in Wisconsin, couldn't make uh -huh. it. And I had worked with Marion and Jim Jordan on Colton Myers' Kindergarten, which uh -huh. was a show they used to do even after they did Fibber McGee. They loved doing it. Mm -hmm. And I did this Italian father, and then I stayed on the show and did, uh, oh, a number of parts. Gooey Fooey, A Laundry Man, George Fiditch, kind of an insurance salesman. <laughs> Were you Gooey Fooey? I was surprised to know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I did a character, Perry, the Portuguese piccolo player in Ted Weems' band. That's when <laughs> Perry Como was still in the band. Uh -huh. Took over a part that an actor by the name of Tom Post had played it. Mm -hmm. He was the Mayor Appleby, and McGee called him Mayor Applepuss, you know. <laughs> I played George Gildersleeve first, then Harry Gildersleeve. And I, I heard one program that you're Homer Gildersleeve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don Quinn loved the name Gildersleeve. He tied out several things. Oh, you, I have another show where you were an interior decorator. Yes. An Italian wrestler. <laughs> I remember that. We had a lot of fun on the show. Actually, I had played the voice, but he mm -hmm. wasn't born until Molly became quite ill. Mm -hmm. And she was off the show for a few months. And then they kind of pumped up all the smaller parts, like myself mm -hmm. and things that Bill Thompson did. And suddenly, we were very important to the show. Well, they gave the Gildersleeve character an opportunity, and I threw in that laugh one night that I had never used on the show, and that was it. Kraft presents the great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Each week at this time, the Kraft Cheese Company presents for your enjoyment... Harold Perry as the Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Levinson. We'll hear from the Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. But right now, here's a message of very great importance for today's menu maker. On August 31st, 1941, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve stepped off a train in the town of Summerfield, bringing with a now common concept in American entertainment, the series spin-off. Gildersleeve had begun as a character on Fibber McGee and Molly. The man behind the voice was Harold Perry. Perry joined the cast in 1937, first playing every kind of bit part imaginable. He was born Harold José de Faria to Portuguese parents on July 25, 1908. In January of 1923, the 14-year-old Harold had his first radio appearance at KZM in Oakland. By the late 1920s, he was working for NBC in San Francisco. Migrating to Chicago in 1937, he soon became one of radio's insiders, gaining a reputation as a top utility man. In the old days in Chicago, I used to do seven voices on the Tom Mix Ralston Straight Shooter Show, uh -huh. which a lot of people don't know about, I guess. That was way back in... 37, 38, and 39. Well, you once played Sheriff Mike Shaw on that show, well, didn't did, you? Uh, I did Mike Shaw on a voice like that. And I did an Englishman on a voice like that. <laughs> and I did uh, Henry Akins, who was a town banker, in a voice like that. And I did Hawk Barrett, who was a villain. And I also did Hawk Barrett's brother, who was named Shotgun Barrett, in the same voice, except he had a lift. <laughs> and then, of course, I did Lee Lu, the Chinese cook. 
Right, you are. I was seven. You well, are. I did, I did chief, an Indian chief also. Yeah. And then when I left in '39 to come here with Trevor McGee and Molly, why well, there were four or five fellows that took over the park. But say, there's an ex-door neighbor of theirs, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Where? Where? That portly gent with the mustache on the platform, the one making a speech to his employees. How do you know they're his employees? Because every time he goes away, he gives them an hour off to come down to the station and wave goodbye. Oh, so that's Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, I. tell you how touched I am to see all the employees of the Gildersleeve Girdle Works down here at the station to bid me goodbye. <laughs> it's indeed... Uh, by the way, is there anyone left at the plant? Uh, well, uh, no. What if some orders come in? Who'll take the phone calls? Uh, Mert. Oh, Mert, eh? <laughs> yeah. As I was saying while I'm away, I expect every one of you to uphold Gildersleeve Girdles to the best of your ability. And don't forget our motto. If you want the best of corsets, of course it's Gildersleeve. <laughs> Very good, T.P., very good. Thank you, thank you. You'll get a raise. <laughs> and though it's necessary for me to go away and attend to other enterprises... In the late 1930s, Harry approached McGee's head writer, Don Quinn, with an idea for a reoccurring role. Three days and maybe till the end of the week. He wanted to play a pompous windbag who himself ran the biggest bluff in Wistful Vista. He thought it the perfect foil for McGee. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve's first appearance was on September 26th, 1939. All aboard. Yes, all aboard. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Out of my way, everybody. Where are my bags? On the train, T.P. Thanks. I forgot to buy a ticket. Where do I buy a ticket? On the train, T.P. Oh, yes. Let go of me, boys. Where are you pushing me? On the train, T.P. Yes. Goodbye, children. Goodbye, children. Then, mm-hmm. see, after they called the character Throckmorton, then uh-huh. I moved in next door. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. You remember, I was his neighbor, uh-huh. and, and I even had a wife on the show, but she was never heard. She was oh. only talked about. Did know? she have a name? Molly just occasionally said, oh, there's Mrs. Gildersleeve. Oh, Mrs. Gildersleeve, I see. I and see. that was about it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that when I made the transition from my own show and became a bachelor, mm-hmm. why, uh, I don't think I even had one letter asking, what happened to your wife? Because <laughs> no one ever had ever heard of her. Side-splitting, isn't it? Going to be in Summerfield long? Oh, no, just three or four days. I'm taking over the administration of my brother-in-law's estate. They're going to run it for my niece and nephew. Yeah, but that's quite involved, and I'm hungry. Which way is the diner? Why, an old, experienced traveler like you should know where the diner is. Huh? Oh, of course. No matter where you are, the diner's always at the other end of the train. <laughs> See you later. In Summerfield, Gillersleeve was guardian to his niece and nephew, Marjorie and Leroy Forrester. Marjorie was studious and curious and seldom gave Gildy trouble. Leroy, age 12, was the wise guy. The household also had a voice for common sense. Housemaid Bertie Lee Coggins, introduced in September. There was a somewhat of a difference between the Gildersleeve character that was on the Fibber McGee show and then the, what would it have been, a warmer character perhaps well, that, yes. that you created for yes, the... I was an antagonist, you know, to McGee uh-huh. on his show, uh-huh. which when I left, that's what Gail Gordon became. Mayor uh, Latrivia. McGee yes. had to have somebody that he could fight all the time. Mm-hmm. When I decided to do my own show, of course, why then I warmed the character up a little bit, even changed the uh, the attitude, you know, mm-hmm. so that he became a warmer person. And because he had a family to raise, and it wasn't too difficult to do, all I had to do was kind of lighten up the voice a little bit and make the laugh a little more human. We were just lucky. I just happened to hit the air at the right time and made it, you know? Lillian Randolph voiced Bertie while Leroy was played by Walter Tetley. And the first Marjorie was voiced by Lorene Tuttle. You see, I always felt that we had to work with an all-physical person. We always worked from the the full person, 
At least I did, and I know that all of us tried to work that way because that's the only honest way to do it. You have, you have to have a person who lives and breathes and walks and is alive rather than just turning on a voice. Because you could conjure up, if you really had through imagination, anything that you wanted to be. That's why I loved it, too, because I could play opposite Jimmy Stewart or Frederick March or Cary Grant or Gary Cooper or Leslie Howard. And on the air, I could be the most glamorous, gorgeous, tall, black-haired female you've ever seen in your life. Whatever I wish to be, I could be with my voice. That was the thrilling part to me. The show was originally to be sponsored by Johnson's Wax, but they ultimately passed. Kraft Foods bought the show for a full season run. Gildersleeve would air on NBC Sunday evenings at 6.30 p.m. It served as a programming bridge between the 6 p.m. Catholic Hour and the 7 p.m. Jack Benny program. By the autumn of 1943, Perry had become a film star. In storyline, Gildersleeve was now Summerfield's water commissioner. He also had a love interest, the Southern Belle, Leela Ransom, voiced by Shirley Mitchell. Yeah. And they wrote her so magnificent. Well, she was perfect for Gildersleeve, oh, perfect, too, because he perfect. was a He's absolute, such a party. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolute foil for right. her, right? And uh, on that one tape that I played recently, you know, I do it for my kids, and I get such a funny feeling. It, the voice is lighter, and it's almost like deja vu. You think, oh, my gosh, was I really like that? But I just loved her. He sings, speak to me of love to her. You know, he would sing those chords. <laughs> And she'd sigh through and do things like, oh, this rock, Lord. It was really <laughs> delicious. What's the matter? Isn't my candy good enough for you? Why, of course. It's just that I make a habit, Stanley, of not eating candy in the morning. That October, RKO released the film, Gildersleeve on Broadway. Actually, you made a few movies as uh, Gildersleeve, too, didn't you? Well, I made three movies at RKO with Fred McGee and Molly and Edgar Bergen uh -huh. and Lucille Ball as Gildersleeve. And then I made a series of six of my own pictures, which was called the Gildersleeve series. And I even did one at Paramount with Bob Burns called Coming Around the Mountain. With, oh. oh, a lot of people. Even Uncle Ezra was brought out from <laughs> Chicago to work in it. I think that that hit the Late Late Show here not too long ago. No. We yell and scream and tell our listeners about it whenever uh, one of those scenes comes on. I think Heavenly Days was a Fibber McGee and Molly one. I believe yeah. you were in that too, weren't yeah. you? I was in Look Who's Laughing in Heavenly Days. Oh, and I did one other one. And then I did one with Lucy Ball and Victor Mature called Seven Days Leave as Gildersleeve, as an attorney, while I was at RKO. It, it was all about the Court of Missing Heirs. Uh, you remember that radio show? Oh, yes, sure. And I was the attorney representing that particular show. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. I read somewhere along the line that uh, when you started as Gildersleeve in the movies, you had to go on a diet to gain weight. <laughs> well, yes. When I started doing the Gildersleeve character in pictures, I only weighed about 195, which was pretty big for my size, but it wasn't big enough, you know, mm -hmm. and I was quite young. So I did. I started eating things, you know, that would make me heavier. And by the time I got to my own series, which was then about 1942, a year after I started the radio show, I actually weighed 227. And when I decided wow. I didn't want to do any more of those pictures because I wasn't very happy with them, I just went on a diet and lost 50 pounds. RKO hadn't seen me for about two months because we were on a sort of a sabbatical. And, of course, the, uh, the head of the company almost collapsed when he saw me. <laughs> I looked 15 years younger. I was down to 176. Oh, my goodness. Boy, that's... I remained that way for an awful long time. 
in the midst of a monumental raiding season. On October 31st, 1943, Gildersleeve and his family celebrated Halloween. Now let's see what goes on at the home of the great Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. It's Saturday evening, the day before Halloween, and his niece is giving a dance. All afternoon, he's been rolling up carpets, putting extra leaves in the dining room table, carrying out furniture, and carrying it in again. But now that the heavy work is done, he finds himself brushed aside. After an early makeshift supper, he wanders forlornly out to the kitchen to watch last-minute preparations there. Oh, what are you making there, Bertie? Frosting? Yes, sir. Say, that looks mighty good. Do you mind if I just... Come on. Uh, Mr. Uh, Gildersleeve, a man can lose a finger that way. Mm, 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 it's wonderful, though, Bertie. Say, don't you think you've beaten that about enough? Ain't sure if it's stiff enough. Oh, well, I'll just see. Uncle Maud, really? Just tasting it, my dear. Mr. Gildersleeve, if you keep tasting, there ain't gonna be frost enough to put in your eye. Who wants it in his eye? You'd like to put a lid on a piece of bread now. Oh, Lord, go out and play. Yes, go out and play. Bertie, don't you think it's about time we took another peek at that cake? Cake? I'll do it. Stay away from that oven. Oh, oh excuse me, Mr. Gilsley, but you want that cake to fall? Uh, I was just trying to help. Run along, Uncle Mord. I'll look at the cake, Bertie. You either. What? If some of the people don't get out of this kitchen, I'm going to go clean out of my mind. Well, Bertie, I was just Well, you more trouble than all the rest of them. Yeah. Want me to fix a party? You got to give me a chance. I ain't no Superman. No, Saul. I got two hands. Pain to come in here, track and dirty. Come on, Marjorie. I think Bertie wants to be alone. Let's go in the other room. After you. Oh, Leroy, for heaven's sake. I am Frankenstein the Wolfman. I eat up little girls. Let go. I walked with a zombie. The undying monster. Leroy. The living dead. Stop that and take off that mask. It's only me, Unc. Did I scare you? Yes. I don't know how you expect to scare anybody. You've been going around in that rig scaring people for a week. Well, I'm just practicing being horrible. You don't need any practice. <laughs> now, come on. You make him promise to keep away from my party. I just know he's going to... Oh, oh, that's probably for me. Don't worry, glamour puss. I wouldn't be caught dead at your party. Hello? Is that you? No, it's me. <laughs> oh, I couldn't tonight, Lester. No, I'm sorry. No, I couldn't possibly. Why don't you tell him you're giving a party and he's not invited? Shut up, Leroy. Let her alone, Leroy. Pardon the interruption. Brad again. Go on, tell me all about it. I don't know what kind of a Halloween party this is anyway. No games, no pumpkins. <laughs> what did you used to do on Halloween, Unc? Oh, we did a lot of things, my boy. Made jack-o'-lanterns, bobbed for apples. Pretty corny. Yeah. <laughs> what else? Well, uh, <laughs> we had one little trick. Yeah? What was it? Well, we used to take two buckets of water. Yeah? And when it got dark, we'd put them on each side of somebody's front walk, and we'd tie them together with a piece of cord across the walk, and then when somebody came along... Well, you can imagine. <laughs> hey, that's great. Uh, it was a very thoughtless, wicked thing to do, Leroy. <laughs> I hope you will never do anything like that. Are you kidding? I mean it. Somebody might trip and hurt themselves badly. Remember that. Yes, sir. There's one other thing to remember. What's that? Only fill the buckets halfway. It won't work if they're full. <laughs> Somebody, I'm on the phone. Well, get off it. I'll go. Oh, I've got to hang up now. Goodbye, Lester. Yeah, so much for Lester. It's Wally Hoff. Uh, Wally Hoff. Well, the kid himself. Hiya, Junior. What are you supposed to be? Frankenstein. Oh, blow me down. Talk to Wally, will you, Uncle Mort? I'll be right down, Wally. I've got to run up and put on some lipstick. What for? It's coming right off. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, take these records, will you, son? And don't drop them. Cu- got a couple of real oldies there. Red nickels. Gosh. Uh, uh, Mr. Hoff, my name is Gildersleeve. I'm Marjorie's uncle. Oh, hi. Heard a lot about you. I've heard a lot about you, too. Favorable, I trust. Anybody tuning tune this so-called piano lately? Young man, that's a Wembley. Oh, not bad. Hey, Wally, I can play a boogie bass now like you showed me. Look. That's not it. Look out. I didn't do it right. Let me just... Look out. Let me at it. Like music, Mr. Gildersleeve? I like music, yes. Mr. Hoff, would you mind telling me something? Not at all. Shoot. That sweatshirt you're wearing, is that customary these days at dances, I mean? What else? In my day, we wore tuxedos. And we didn't wrestle. We danced. Oh, your day, your day. Your day is over, Uncle Mort. Yes, yes, I guess it is. Well, don't stop, Wally. Give up. What'll it be, gorgeous? Oh, anything at all. Only give. The party's dying and it hasn't even started. Uncle Mort, I don't want to be rushing you, but the gang will be here any minute. I can take a hint. Well, take Leroy with you. Why don't you see if Mrs. Ransom's doing anything tonight? Maybe I will and maybe I won't. Play that. On with the dance. Let joy be unrefined. Oh, brother, even in my... Come on, Frankenstein. This is no place for us. Gosh, it's dark out, isn't it? Uh, Wally Hoff. He's a swell piano player, Unc. You stick to Bach. That sounds like Piggy. Hey, Pig, wait up. That's his signal. See you later, Uncle. Wait a minute. Yeah? I won't ask you to keep out of mischief, Leroy. Just keep out of jail. <laughs> okay. Where are you going, Mrs. Ransom? Never mind. Run along. Hey, Pig! Wait for Frankenstein! Nobody's going to tell me what I'm going to do. If I want to call on Leela, I will. And if I don't, I won't. Just hope she's in, that's all. Yeah. Throckmorton, you mustn't do that. Yeah, but it's Halloween, Leela. No, it's not. Tomorrow's Halloween. I know, but they're celebrating it tonight. What are you doing, Leela? Well, I had this date for tonight, but at the last minute I was unable to go on account of a headache. Oh, that's too bad. Yes. Well, perhaps some other time. Oh, I feel much better now. Oh, you do? Uh-huh. Isn't that lucky? Will you go to the movies with me? Well, I don't know about tonight's Rock Morton. I'm just scared to death of ghosts and witches and all. Oh, don't worry. I'll be with you. Uh, promise you'll stay close to me and protect me? I'd like to see the ghost if you get between us. <laughs> There'll be a slight wait inside for all seats. Oh, he says there'll be waiting, Martin. How many, please? How long will we have to wait, miss? The next complete showing will begin at 9.53. How many, please? 9.53? That's half an hour, Leela. Do you want to wait? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Oh, make up your mind. Oh. Stepping to one side, please. Keeping the line moving, please. Shutting the mouth, please. <laughs> Rock well, they can't push me around. Evidently, our patronage is not wanted here, Leela. Let's go somewhere else. I declare, Throckmorton, I've never seen Summerfield so crowded. Why don't these people stay home nights? Nice? Well, I suppose we could at least drop in here and get a soda. Would you like a soda? I don't know. Would you? 
Oh, I don't know. Did you? Oh, look, a little boy in a mash. Well, that's more like it. That's the first real sign of Halloween. Oh, well, who's that thing he's swinging around? Oh, that's a sock filled with flour. Oh, we used to have more fun with those. Oh, he isn't going to hit somebody with it. <laughs> what do you think it's for? Uh, <laughs> hello, little boy. Uh, hello there, Sonny. What's your name? Uh, oh, cat got your tongue, huh? You're not Piggy Banks, are you? You're not going to hit anybody with that, are you, little boy? Yes, careful now. Careful how you swing that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you go away, I'll give you a nickel. Listen, if you hit anybody... Look out now. If you're Piggy Banks, I'll tell your mother. Did you hear what I said? If you come near me with that, I'll... <laughs> come back here, you. I dare you. <laughs> Let me brush you off, Rockmore. Well, I think you might show a little more consideration, Leela. <laughs> oh, but you look so funny, darling. Come on, let's go in and get a soap. Well... During the 1943-44 season, the Great Gildersleeve show rating was 16.3. It was the highest ever for a show airing at 6.30 p.m. A time slot change and continued radio success was on the horizon. Well, if you're not going to have anything, I'm not going to have anything. All right. Soda for me, too. Chocolate.